You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws that Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Unlike any other. Oh, yes, my friends. We have done it. This is Fairway Rolling. Golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe House. My birdie buddies, I am joined by our incomparable accomplice, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, and special guest this week, she is a reporter and host for NBC Sports. She's on the Golf Channel. She hosts digital content for the USGA. She's also a former Miss America. Kira K. Dixon joining us live, semi-live, from the Monterey Peninsula site of this year's Women's U.S. Open. It is a three ball all the way through, my birdie buddies. Three pegs in the ground. We are swinging at the same time. Let's go. All right, my birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiasts. It is the Nate Dog and I, as always, but a very special guest for this week's Fairway Rolling. Coming to us live <laughs> from the Monterey Peninsula because the U.S. Women's Open is at Pebble Beach this year. Thank God. Amazing. Major golf in primetime on the East Coast. Kira K. Dixon, welcome aboard. Hi. I love that enthusiastic intro. Thank you. There's more (laughs) where that came from. Yeah, it's high energy here at Fairway Rolling. It is a beautiful time to be a fan of the professional golf game. It's It's a wonderful time to be a fan of the amateur golf game. We have all the USAMs in front of us. And uh, I'll speak for myself. I'm out on the golf course a couple of times a week as an amateur, an amateur, even though I'm losing money gambling on myself, I'm still <laughs> I'm still an amateur for the purposes of uh, all of the uh, at least the tax consequences. Don't worry, IRS. I promise I'm, I'm paying my taxes. So, so 
Kira, the way we love to kick off Fairway Rolling is we give out flowers at the top to the previous week's winners. And man, oh man, what a winner this week at the Rocket Mortgage. He had it literally on, on his shirt. The mm-hmm. Rick did it. Uh, we, we've been anxiously anticipating this moment with Ricky Fowler, um, but he, he did it in really dramatic fashion, right? Oh my gosh. I'm so happy for Ricky. I, uh, especially lately, cause he's been playing really well. I get to talk to him, uh, quite often out on the road and he, no matter if it's super good or super bad, he has the same energy level at all times. He's always willing to give you a good, thoughtful, insightful answer, even if things aren't going his way that day. And he's one of my go-to people to go to. If I, if I have questions, if I need something, um, it's amazing how much time he takes outside of his actual practice. So I'm just really happy for him because I know how hard he's been working and for him to finally get that moment is I think a big deal. And it's great for golf. It's, um, you know, I think golf is in a good place. If Ricky Fowler's in a good place. There was this moment when he won where you could just see the tension flow out of his shoulders. He exhaled and just looked up. It, it was such a moment of relief that was so insightful into, I think, the emotional journey that he's been on you do get to see him a little bit behind the scenes can you talk a little bit about what you think he's been going through i mean the last six months he's been a top 10 golfer in the world but it really was before that wasn't it when this narrative arc about him being on tv and all the commercials but not being on the leaderboard was really starting to rattle yeah i mean i can't imagine what it's like to have to answer questions every single time you're in a field about why you're not doing what you used to do. I can only imagine that that is becomes extremely emotionally taxing to always have to revisit failure or the, why you're not in the field at a major or having to watch your, you know, Justin Thomas's and Jordan Spieth's get to go on and do all this stuff. And you're not able to, to do the things that you're really good at doing. Uh, I think that I would be really frustrated with, with that. I would, um, you know, I get, a ton of FOMO about life in general. So, I mean, if you like on a much grander scale, I mean, that must have been really, really difficult. Um, Ricky is an incredible player, an incredible ball striker. So, to then not have your best stuff showing up and just having to deal with any and every media storyline that comes up as well. Um, meanwhile, like having a baby and trying to have a normal life and all that stuff is probably really challenging and really difficult. And I think that he does a good job of like, you know, I'm just working hard and doing what I'm doing. And uh, I switched from um, Tillery to, to Butch Harmon and you know, putting in the work and the results will come. And, you know, but Kira, you get that right a lot. Things, you, but- you, you get that a lot. Like you put microphones in front of players faces every week. And a lot of times you probably get the the sort of cliche, repetitive, heard it all before Sometimes, nonsense from yeah. these guys. It Has it always felt believable with Ricky? Yeah, it does feel believable with Ricky. I, I mean, there's only also so much he can say because that's just been his reality for however long. Like he can't yeah. say, you, say much different than that because that is what he's doing. He's putting in the work that he can with the people that he has around him and uh, eventually the results happen and they did. So yeah, I'm it's really, really it's strange to see a star who isn't maniacally driven outwardly, right? We're used in golf to seeing the Tiger Woods, you know, mania almost, and to see him hold his daughter and say, you know, after four plus years of not winning, to sit there and hold his daughter and say, yeah, winning's great, but this is better. It, it's a little yeah. jarring to see our stars who who actually have you know hashtag perspective. Yeah, and I know we love to joke about the perspective thing, but I think that there is a lot to be said for that. And for Ricky, I, I, you know, I don't see inside his head, but I can only imagine that it's, if anything, it's helped him be able to relax about results and just focus on the things you can control in life, and that's raising a good human, and that yeah. translates to your golf game. How's he's he's sixth in shots gained overall in twenty twenty three. He's fifth in the last three months. I mean, are, are you a believer that he can contend in a major championship having seen what you saw at the U.S. Open? We just watched yeah. him contend in a major championship. I mean, yeah. the answer is yes, right? I mean, he's got eight top 15 finishes in his past nine starts, and you just rattled off 
the strokes gain numbers, he's there. He's a top 10 guy. He's on the Ryder Cup. We don't have to debate it. It's not, you know, uh, uh, a controversial uh, comment. And there's no reason whatsoever that he can't go to uh, Royal Liverpool where he played well back in 2014 and channel. I mean, he's been around and been in our lives for a long time, uh, Kira. And he's been like, you know, we've seen him on television a lot because of the commercials, but I, I will always, um, hold him in high regard because he went to the Olympics in Brazil. Um, when a lot of guys took the opportunity to bow out for a whole variety of reasons, many Mm -hmm. of which didn't sound that authentic to us. Here at Fairway Rowland, but Ricky was down for the experience and and had a, a an amazing time. Did he meet his wife at that Olympics? Is that true? I think yeah, something along those lines. I don't remember yeah. the exact story, but I I know that there's some sort of an Olympics connection there. But I mean, right. Ricky, what he did, what he did last week, and what he did at the U.S. Open was those were not flash in the pan performances. He's had a great season. He hadn't uh, I don't have this in front of me, but he hadn't missed a cut on the PGA Tour since the Players Championship other than I think the PGA. So, and they weren't like P65 no. performances. They were top 20 performances, top five performances. I mean, you know, it's it's been consistently good for a long time. So I don't think anybody should be surprised about what he did last week. Is he, is, is he, is he as well liked amongst the players as he is by the fans? I, yes. I yeah. think so, for sure. I mean... It was- it's an easy answer, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to let you, Kira, um, choose to join or not join in on a conversation that Nate and I have to have right now because we're talking about the popularity of Ricky Fowler and, you know, the two of us. I know you share the sentiment as well. Enormous fans of, of Ricky Fowler. Um, we weren't really able to watch him win this golf tournament easily on on regular television and there was a lot of complaining on the twitter sphere from all kinds of different walks of life from from mainstream sports fans justin thomas himself kind of made a sideways comment about not being able to watch it on 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 television nate dog um i know that the scramble to beat bad weather is a challenge and there are contractual commitments that the CBS and the golf channel have that, you know, make it hard for them to, to, to be very nimble under these kind of circumstances, but God damn it. Put your most popular guy on television when he wins the goddamn tournament in real time. Is that too much to ask? I think it is. I mean, it it, clearly is. It is. They would have had to have blown out the entire morning slate of programming on CBS. There's a fair question that says, would CBS have done that if it was a football game and the weather was meaning they had to start early? Would they have changed things around? And the answer house, I think, is probably yes. So, of course, does that speak to the audience? Or not. I, I don't know at the last second like that that there's a whole lot they can do. It's just a shame because it, all of the growing the game stuff, this is one of those guys. Like he's one of the very few guys who kids are walking around wearing their stuff still, right? But it, you, you have grown men making complete morons of themselves based on their Sunday outfits because of Ricky Fowler. And uh, it, it, there's been a lot of negative stuff around golf of late. This would have been a great moment to re-anchor and orient everyone around the best parts of golf. And for whatever reason, you had to be online, extremely online to do it. And that means that the good news is I think a lot of young people who wanted to get at it saw it. The bad news is I think a lot of the ratings people who the advertisers were trying to reach definitely didn't. Well, that's that's part of the complaint from from my perspective. And I'll do that small micro picture that I have a bigger picture thing that I want to kind of pose to you. But like I, I'm, you know, savvy enough tech wise, not great. You help me a lot of times when we're together. Here's how you put, push, push the buttons on your phone, old man. And I, but I was able to take the stream and put it on my television, but there were interruptions. There were gaps. The platform wasn't, you know, steady and ad interrupted, you know, the guys coming up the fairway in the playoff and then it stalled for a bit. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not getting it in, in real time. So the streaming 
stuff is, is, you know, if it works seamlessly, it was perfect. If it was a single platform, then fine, right? But that's not the world that we live in. Maybe it'll be the world we live in five years from now and not a multi-platform streaming kind of deal. But writ large, we're in this very interesting moment in the presentation of men's uh, competitive professional golf, which is trying to get the most eyeballs at most of the time because that's what you know the folks think is is most inclined to produce a product that generates you know both um commercial interest but 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 fan support fan interest and so to me you have to have your most popular one of your most popular players on TV at the expense of everything else when when that player is is has a chance to win and you know whatever there was like a rodeo on CBS that might have needed to get preempted or something <laughs> and they had a pre-tape package that was actually very cool about a tournament for African American uh young folks playing the John Shippen that was and one of those kids not only won the John Shippen but also made the cut at at the Rocket Mortgage it was a tremendous job but you got to show us the golf in live time like the American sporting public demands seeing the stuff in real time like it you know this is the era we're in right yeah well, Kira, I, you are conspicuously quiet about this, and I know why. But I do want to ask you. I do want to ask you about the tension that we're speaking to, which is not about like the decision to put it on TV or not. But one of the things that you know from being on the ground is there's this trade-off between the star power and what you do on a daily basis, which is try to really tell the richness of stories around some of these people and and players and storylines in golf. And one of the complaints about the overall product of, of the PGA has been that, uh, you know, historically it was a little too star dependent and that some of those really interesting nuanced stories weren't getting told. As you do your job in and out, do you feel that tension? Like, hey, you know, you and I were on the ground in Hartford right as Ricky was coming up the ninth hole about to potentially shoot a 59. And everybody migrated that way. You were watching the the monitor. Amanda was watching. Everybody backstage was sort of laser focused on, oh my gosh, is Ricky going to do this? It was this sort of big moment. But there are those interesting other stories. Do you feel that tension between the star power and the, and the richness of storytelling at all? Um, I mean, sure. I mean, so I will just give a disclaimer and say I wasn't working golf last week. I was working swimming. Um, and so I, I didn't get to even watch because I was uh, uh, on deck at, at a pool in Indianapolis. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, look, it is, as you know, extremely complicated yeah. to put together these broadcasts and to dive into any and every story. Can things always be told differently or taken from a different perspective or different decision making. Sure. However, um, I, I mean, I think that there's always like an amazing effort made to tell as big a picture story that will reach as many different people as possible. Um, what I get to do week in and week out with, um, my reporting job for golf central and, uh, post game report for all the news shows for golf channel is we get a lot of opportunities to dive into some of those, smaller stories to build interest for people. And then if those pe- if those people end up playing well during the broadcast, then people have now bought into them, blah, blah, blah. Can those things be better? Absolutely. There's always room for us to, to continue to grow with those opportunities. And I think that um, as golf continues to evolve, I hope that that will continue to evolve. Uh, but from, from my perspective, personally, like I'm always looking for the Monday Q story. I'm always looking yep. for the redemption guy. I'm always looking for, you know, this guy, has a putt to keep his status or what, you know, all the KFT guys. I mean, there's there, that is always a huge part of, of what I'm looking for. Like, unfortunately right now, there's not only, um, you know, that, the, I guess we call it tension between those stories and like the, the big stars, but then there's also everything else that's going on in the game of golf that sometimes very much overshadows that. So some of the airtime that I would have spent on those stories now go into, you know, talking about, public investment funds of sovereign nations and like asking guys about these big meetings and like those stories end up being told as well. So there's, um, there's a lot happening, Nathan, that we are always trying to navigate our best way around. Well, now that you mention it, Kira, 
<laughs> As a person that's been on the ground um, and in close contact to players over the past couple of months, it's been a very wild ride just from the perspective of, of where Nate and Occupy, you know, Nate and I Occupy is a sort of, you know, small G, small M, smallest M possible golf media. Um, you have sort of lived it in real time with um, the, the, the players themselves. I'm going to try and, and set this up kind of easily um, <laughs> and, and make it easy in the first place. Where do you think the players' heads are at at the moment? Like not, not you know, when the news broke and when there was a holy cow, what the hell's going on kind of vibe, but what's your sense kind of now based on how things seem to be settling down? Yeah, um, I think Peter Malnati did a really great interview with Adam Shupak for Golf Week. I would recommend yeah. your listeners to go and take a read of that because it gives, a, I think, a pretty holistic view of um, what the majority of the tour, not necessarily you know your top 20 guys, but what the majority of the tour feels like right now in terms of questions that are answered and unanswered, emotions. Uh, a lot of the reporting that I did at Travelers was around a meeting that happened that week um, that um, uh, several tour executives were at, Jimmy Dunn was at, uh, and the players described that meeting to me as much calmer as opposed to the initial meeting that they had in Canada where Jay Monahan spoke to the membership and, you know, people were, that was very heated. People were standing up, and yelling at Jay and things like that. Um, whereas this one was more measured asking questions um, and kind of, you know, all right, let's now shift to next steps. What is this actually going to look like? What does this mean for me, my family, my future um, is kind of where I see the emotional level at right now. I think that every day something new comes out and things change and yeah. people are, people are in various stages of their processing of one of the biggest things to ever happen to not just golf, but sport. Um, so, you know, an evolving storyline. Yeah, I, I thought the Malnati interview was interesting. I, what I couldn't glean from it, and I'd love your insight, is whether there's a rift between the top 20 players and everybody else. The Malnati interview seemed to suggest that there's general alignment. Do you, I, 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 it's clear that the top guys are still all wondering, hey, uh, I didn't go. I stayed loyal. If this happens, how do we make sure that I get paid? Um, and that's a perfectly reasonable and rational place to be in. It doesn't feel at odds with the rest of the membership necessarily. But do you th do you see differences between the top 20, 25 guys and everybody else on tour? No, I mean, uh, I don't think that there's a, a quote rift between between those two different parties. I think that everyone can kind of take a rational look at where they are, the value they bring, all of that stuff. Um do people want a piece of something? Maybe. Do people feel like they should be rewarded for something? I don't know, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. But I don't see there being like a, a tension between the players there right now. If anything, the tension is, um, you know, it's right now it's incumbent upon the PGA Tour to regain the trust of the players and that sort of stuff. Um, that's where any sort of tension point is at. And that's what Peter alluded to a lot in that piece was just talking about kind of what does this look like moving forward and best practices for um, the the tour and players to be able to move forward in a, in a better place together. This does seem like perhaps the first time in the modern era where there has been a, a, a galvanizing event among the players where there, there is an actual effort among the players to try and see the world from the same sort of perspective economically where you know we we've come to see these guys operate as independent contractors and you know each of them are a business unto themselves it does seem like the collective power that they wield that they're kind of recognizing that and that that might be something going forward that might you know impact how a, a deal ultimately gets done is your sense on the ground, does it seem like the guys are coming together and seeing the world the same way or they're still everybody sort of trying to figure out their own place in it or both? I think it's maybe a combination of both. The um, more maybe leaning towards everybody's individual place in it. 
Golf is an intrinsically individual sport. These are all very siloed, you know, little, each player is their own little business. They all come at this from different walks of life, different perspectives. Um, so I think it's more leaning out towards that of like, how can I figure this best out for me and my lifestyle? Uh, I could be wrong, but that's where I see it. I was reminded of how much uncertainty there is for these players right now with the announcement today that there's going to be a tournament in the fall in Utah in 2024, which, okay, <laughs> we don't have one in New York. We don't have one in Chicago. We don't have one in, you know, but okay. Washington, D.C. Yeah, Philadelphia. <laughs> we're going to Utah. Okay. Um, but it's unclear what date in the fall it's going to be. And it's still sort of unclear in, in, in that moment in time, what exactly is going to qualify you to get into this fall series, whether the live guys will be back or not, you know, whether the tournaments that you want to get into are for 70 people and have no cut, have lots, there's so much that's left to be determined. Yeah. And we have a commissioner who is very clearly uh, struggling with some health issues that are not, you know, one week out and come back. He just today... Uh, declined to appear before the Senate uh, that's sort of investigating this deal um, because of of health issues. Kira, what are you hearing on the ground? Is is the commissioner expected to return? Is it still very much up in the air? Uh, My understanding is it's, you know, very much up in the air. Um, The the extent of information that I've gotten is probably the same as most of the players and you guys. It's just, you know, whatever he's dealing with is serious and needs to be dealt with the proper way so that if he wants to come back, he can come back. I don't know what that looks like or, you know, can't <laughs> give any sort of yeah. uh, thoughts on what, what he's going through. Um, I is mean, the sense but, that the tour can function without him, that the leadership that's in place can, can make these decisions and fill in all the blanks in those documents that leaked last week. Um, well, if I listen to what Peter said in that piece, it's that they, you know, at the end of the day that they need someone within that role and that voice. So if that continues to be Jay, then great. If that means it's somebody else, then that's fine too. I, I don't think that they would, you know, continue on forever without, a uh, somebody within that role. Um, but I mean, just to go back to what you were saying before about the Utah thing, I mean, I think that the only thing that is consistent right now is uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the only thing that anyone can depend on in this moment in time with every day's news cycle. Um, and that's just kind of where I find myself living as a reporter in this space. And every every week I show up at an event, I'm like, okay, what's going to come out this week? <laughs> what am I going to be talking to players about? What meeting am I going to be uh, staking out outside? Um, and that's just kind of the world we're living in right now. That's, that's fine. Hey, hey, my birdie buddies, let's tee it up on FanDuel this PGA Tour season. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. It does not matter if your first bet is a bogey. Bet $20 and get $200 in bonus bets win or lose this week my par saving pals we are at the john deere classic in illinois we're talking about guys like cameron young like denny mccarthy like russell henley little action from your fairway rolling pals on eric cole this week you can bet him uh, to win outright you can bet him to win uh to finish in the top 20 you can look for eric cole in head-to-heads we also like adam shank he has some very good performances at this venue. Bet him any which way you like. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the golf action. Of course, the app is easy to use. I can use it. And like we say, there are a wide range of betting options and props, including the finishing positions, top 10s, 20s, and 30s, of course. Hole-in-one props. Get your matchups. Get your daily matchups head-to-head. Get your tournament matchups head-to-head. Because when you win, you get paid instantly. So aim for some green and bet on the PGA Tour. Go to FanDuel.com slash rolling and sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N. 
to get $200, win or lose. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. The refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Well, one beautiful thing, it seems, I'll knock on wood for you, that where you are presently this very second and what is in front of you this week and what is in front of us as sports fans this week, we have the Women's U.S. Open being competed at the Pebble Beach Golf Links for the first time in history. This is the oldest women's professional championship we have this incredible moment in in women's competitive professional golf where we have two 20-year-olds who are grabbing all of the the juice, all of the headlines because of their extraordinary play. We have all of the storylines um, surrounding the setup of Pebble for this mm-hmm. championship and some of the things that I've seen look look remarkable. So you're I know you're just sort of getting in and getting settled, but tell us about you know what you're looking forward to this week. Yeah, so I just arrived 10 minutes before we started talking. As soon as we finish, I'm going to get in a shuttle and go over to the course and take a look at everything. I have uh, a bit of a unique perspective of this in that I'm from San Francisco. I've been to Pebble my entire life. I play or I've played in the last five AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Ams. So I've played this course plus practice rounds, I don't know, around 30 times something like that. So I, I've been very, very lucky to this get to, um, sorry. <laughs> I know that's probably such I've, a horrible I've thing been there about. a bunch of times. I've never played. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, we, we got to figure that out for you, but I, it, this is truly my favorite place on the planet. And one of those golf courses, like I can, I you know, go to sleep at night. And sometimes the way I help myself fall asleep is I visualize shots on a golf course, which is the nerdiest thing ever. <laughs> and Pebble Beach is that course. Awesome. So, um, first of all, I think that the fact that we have a women's major at Pebble is the biggest, like it, that is, that is the most important thing of bringing attention to the women's game that Pebble can bring. And that's such a huge part of the story is that we're elevating the women's game by having it at such a special venue and such a special place. Um, I, um, am really interested to see how they set it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, go, if I, I want to go see like what, where the tees are, what the yardage is going to be, like how far in they've grown the rough in, in certain places. Uh, you know, if you think about like, uh, four, uh, which, which is when you start to get into the coastline, you know, how much are they going to be challenging the, that coastline versus maybe trying to bail out to the left. And if that's going to even going to be a smart play because of whatever rough might be up there, that green is super tricky. Five, left of or no right of five green is super tricky that rough is always super grown up um and if you find yourself over there if there's a tricky pin placement you might have like a this like little chip to try and get onto the to a really tucked pin um six the which is the hole that um is fairly iconic that for your listeners it's you know goes up that giant cliff face it's the jordan speed like, falling the ravine yeah. no hole. that's eight. Oh, that's eight, eight was yeah, the jordan no, no, six yeah, yeah. Six, six is the par five. Yeah. But if, is that going to be two shots? Is that going to be three shots? Um, eight is my nemesis. I always end up in that ravine. <laughs> and then you get over like nine and 10. And that like those that left to right. Um, it's amazing how left to right that goes. It pushes your tee shot um, way down. You could end up in, in the abyss and all of that. And then 18 is like, or 17 and 18, you right. decide the championship right there. So um I'm pumped about how they're going to play it. Um, this is also Michelle Wee's last U.S. Open that she um, is exempt for. This is Michelle's kind of like last big hurrah. Uh, so I hope that they celebrate her appropriately. Um, and uh, not for nothing, but Rosing has the course record for women here. So just saying. Interesting. There really is a moment, isn't there, with with the women's game having these two young stars on a course that people have seen before and that is that showcase that that you say it, do you expect 
to see immediate impact in ratings as a result of the stories that we've got this week? I mean, I think people love tuning in to see Pebble. This is, you know, it's why people watch. Yeah. <laughs> my hands up. I got my hand raised. Can't wait. Yeah. I mean, it's why, like people are turning on, you know, LACC just had some great view- yeah. viewership. And I assume that that's because people are curious about the course. You know, Augusta's its own thing, obviously, but people want to see the course. And anytime I loved you- watching Rose at Augusta. That was yeah. terrific. Exactly. So, so to be able to see her, some you know, a, a phenom, the biggest story in golf in women's golf right now, to be able to take on Pebble, the place where she owns the course record, and is going to be fairly nice weather for the area as long as we don't get too much fog, is going to be uh, pretty iconic. I think. Yeah, it's prime time golf on the East Coast. It's Pebble. It's a holiday week. There's the only thing that's like sort of competing at all is like baseball. It's getting ready for its all-star break and some summer league hoops. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm dying for this. It's going to be also we get to see Pebble in July, which is not a time frame that we've, you know, we, we see Pebble in February for the AT&T and we see Pebble in June when it hosts the U.S. Open. But, you know, you, July, July's is it different or is it going to be just like kind of the way the U S open in, in mid June plays out? I, yeah, I think similar to mid June. Sometimes we see it in the fall for the pure insurance, which is a, a champions tour event. The best time to come to Pebble is September, October, November for anyone mm. planning tourism that's listening. Um, so, I mean, June gets some June gloom. We get some funky weather, um, but it looks like we could be looking at 65 and sunny and moments, patches of cloudiness, but otherwise um, should be similar to what you've maybe seen a bit in the past. But the setup will be completely different than anything we've ever gotten to see from a competitive standpoint. Well, my hope is with all of these tailwinds that there is more widespread embracing of the women's game across the sort of golf fandom. And it it feels like this could be a really, really important week in that era. There's been a lot of coverage of the non-traditional golf media by the non-traditional golf media of the women's game of late. And uh, I just hope that we really get a a, a leaderboard down the stretch that tunes people in and that helps the the game. we, We get some momentum coming out of this week in terms of viewership and audience. Yeah, I I hope so as well. I think it has the opportunity to really grow some of those storylines and the characters. If they, you know, if Michelle plays well, if Rose plays right. well, Minji defending, uh, Lydia Cole always plays well in this part of the world. Um, uh, Is Pinyang, Nelly's back it, okay? Yeah, yeah. Nelly's still working her way. Yeah, Nell. Yeah, if Nelly can um, find her kind of way back to a bit of form, I mean, there's so much that. Uh, and then maybe stuff that I don't even uh, that we don't even know about yet, or like Nina Haragai, who's from here. Her parents uh, own a sushi restaurant in Monterey. Like it's um, that that I would love for her, you know, hometown story to be able to play out here. We do we do dabble occasionally in this in the speculative arts. Sometimes we like to you know put our <laughs> money where where our mouth is. Nate Dog, um, there's a good market right now for the women's U.S. Open. I have a tiny bit on Leona McGuire. Not not afraid to say I I thought her performance you know she was the fifty four hole leader going into the final round yeah. at Baltazar. By the way, a, an amazing you know good good job by um, the women's game where we go straight from the PGA Championship to to the U.S. Open at two unbelievable venues. The only bummer of any sort as it related to to Baltazar was the the rain that had them playing earlier in the day so we didn't get yep. that late afternoon sunday you know balti um that that the tension but the tension was on the golf course was incredible i mean all yeah. of the finishing groups on on sunday at balti were were a- outrageous in the way that 18 set up we have the opportunity for a potential repeat of that this 18 this iconic 18 17 and 18 Man, we, yeah. we we don't we don't doesn't feel like we have to to work really hard to get an no. incredible kind of outcome here, KKD. Yeah, I think that it's going to be uh, must watch television, no matter who is in the hunt, uh, because all these stories are pretty compelling. Leona McGuire, I would love to see her come back and get her revenge at this major of you know after letting that Sunday kind of get away from her at Baltusrol. But I mean, I think it's only says great things about the place of the women's game to go from Baltusrol to Pebble Beach. 
not to say that there's not <laughs> significant strides that need to be made with women's golf and the product and all of that sort of stuff. But I am as a consumer of the product and have many, many friends that compete on the LPGA. Uh, I'm very happy for them getting the, the type of attention venues treatment that they deserve. Um, so I'm really happy to be here to be a part of that this week. Kara, what's your best round at Pebble? Oh gosh. Um, I think I shot like 85 here once, uh, which was really great for me <laughs> at Pebble Beach. Um, do, yeah. do you ever take out a spectator in the in the pro am, or is the game tight enough that that nobody's screaming for right when you're on the tee? Have you talked to my husband recently? Did he tell you? Uh oh. Uh oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> Did you do you really not know that, or do you just asking me for fun? I'm literally asking you that for fun, but now you have to answer it for real. Oh gosh! So I right as I was, uh, we were driving down today. My husband was like, "Are you going to tell them about that time you hit somebody on six? <laughs> well, first of all, if you are a, a spectator and you attend a golf tournament with Am in the name, please, you know what you're signing up for. Keep your head on a swivel. Bring head it up. On. <laughs> yes, uh, pay attention because these are not professional golfers. Okay, hand up, not professional golfer. Um, on six, which is the big hill the big thing, uphill. yeah, climb up. Um, I had hit, I had had a nice drive that put me to like the right center of the fairway, and I was trying to climb the hill like a little bit of a left angle to lay up and give myself a nice angle to the green, but I overcooked it to the left to where the spectators are. And apparently hit a lady on who was like standing like with her arms crossed and hit her hand. And but where you're it's it's a huge elevation change. So I'm way down here and she's I had no idea. I didn't know that that I hit anybody. There was no like giant sound, like there was no outrage or whatever. So um for your uh listeners for random background on me, I was Miss America. So I'm walking up there with like my classic, like, hi, and thanks guys, nice to see you, my Miss America stuff. <laughs> and there's like a group of people standing there w- waiting for me to hit. And I just think that they're there to watch. I didn't know I hit anybody. And I hit my shot and I wave and go, okay, bye, thank you so much. And my husband is standing there and did not tell me that I had hit someone. No. And she's standing there with her hand, like waiting for me to say something, to apologize, which I absolutely would have had I known. And he just said later that he didn't want to make me feel bad. That I- <laughs> oh, man. This whole this is very bizarre. Like, at a minimum, oh. they should have been called to your attention. You know, I you know. could have done like the, like the guys do. Sign a glove. Give it I, to the lady. I would love to do that. I feel you know? so there's a lady out there somewhere that probably hates me because I didn't apologize. I didn't give her anything. I didn't say anything. So if you're listening, ma'am, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I blame your husband. I do too. Yeah. That's, that's on him. He should yeah. have been a, a better steward of this whole he thing. He should he have managed the situation. Me. He said he didn't want to distract me from my golf game. He's he like, I mean, with all, all due respect from what? Like, uh, I, I won't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, he was really wanting me to be super focused, uh, apparently, uh, which okay. I can do with me. All but, right. Well know. enough. Well, speaking of super focused, um, one of the things that is a nice coincidence, maybe it's not a coincidence at all, the Women's U.S. Open this week is being competed opposite the John Deere Classic in uh, the Quad Cities area in, in Illinois, Silvis, Illinois, a TPC there, the TPC Deer Park. Um, not an event that tends to grab, um, you know, the, the the very best players on tour. At this point, you know, the the guys are starting to get ready to go across the pond and start making their plans for the Scottish open and then the open championship later this month. Um, we here on fairway Roland try our best to do a little forecasting of how things might go and what kind of players we like, and then how I'm going to gamble on it. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and Nate was always in, in, indulges. Um, so the, the field does have some some noteworthy names from some guys that have been playing well. Denny McCarthy is in the field. Russell Henley is in the field. Uh, 
the sensation Ludwig Ebers uh, is in the field. He's he's available at twenty one to one. We just watched Adam Hadwin in the playoff at Rocket uh, Mortgage. Um, he's he's in there. Um, Eric Cole is playing this week. Emiliano Grio, who's won on tour. Um, this Amen. is yeah. This is a uh, an event where guys go low. So this is now the third kind of week in a row where we're going to see guys going low before we sort of get into some of these names. And, you know, we know you have experience at this venue. Um, you've oh, yeah. it's been underneath your own, your own two feet. It has. Um, this is the, the, the we're now going to get a winner that's in the, in the low twenties on under par. And Nathan and I are sort of wondering, you know, from a, from the perspective of a, a, a reporter and, and, you know, what you see and the, and the fan participation, does it matter um, how low the guys go? Is there any kind of, you know, the, the fact that, that these courses, I mean, travelers was, was crazy. Keegan put on a, a hell of a show, but Rory you know, kind of took shots at it. Yeah. Rory did take shots at, 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 at travelers. We had three guys tied at 24 under at, at the rocket mortgage. And the winner of this thing is tends to be between 19 under and 22 under. Um, where guys just go out and put on kind of birdie shows. Do you, do you think yeah. that they're, that, that, you know, what's your, your experience with that? Yeah. I mean, I see that not being as much the case as it was at travelers, but certainly maybe being more of a, a birdie show as opposed to one of these, you know, a tougher test. Um, not to say that it's not a tough test, but it's just a, testing a different set of skills. I do think that the John Deere is a great opportunity for somebody to have a breakout or to get back into form or to regain some confidence. Uh, last year's winner was JT Poston. And uh, that win for him was huge. He It was one of my favorite interviews of the entire year afterwards. He was so emotional because uh, he had won before, but then he, he, he said, you know, I just didn't know if I would ever be able to do this again. And this whole week has proved to me that, that I can, that I belong, that the hard work is worth it. Uh, and that's all, that interview at in Moline, Illinois has always stuck with me. Uh, the people there love this tournament. They come out for it. Um, it's a, and, uh, you know, they, they do something called the big dig where all the players, kids get to go to this John Deere facility. That's like a giant sandbox and drive around in this. So like players love it. They do a great job for the players. Um, so I think that it'll be a great opportunity for somebody to, to have a moment that really changes their lives in terms of their where they're at with their golf game and belief, self-belief. Does it matter that these courses are looking easy at the moment? Do you think do you think it affects how the you know, the casual fan consumes the product or does it is it fine as long as Ricky and Colin Morikawa are at the top? I mean, I don't I just saying as me, Kira, personally, I love watching people make birdies. I can't do that. I can do that maybe like once every once in a while. I um I, I don't know that the casual viewer is like, nope, too many birdies. That's just, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, sure, there's plenty of appetite for like, I want to watch people get punished by really difficult setups at majors and whatnot. And um, that was the complaint about LACC, wasn't it? That it, it didn't set up hard enough. People weren't seeing enough bogeys, I guess. <laughs> but now they're complaining that they're not seeing enough, that they're seeing I too don't many know. birdies. You can't please everybody. You can't please everybody. I think at the end of the day, these guys are really, really good at golf and uh, watching them do things like some of the stuff that Wyndham Clark did at the US Open and those ups and up, up and downs um, were pretty remarkable. So I, um, I don't know. I think people should just be happy that we've got great golf. And that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Nate dog. I mean, we got Ricky Fowler who needed to make birdie on 18 on Sunday doing it and then winning with birdie on the playoff hole. That's pretty cool, right? That's better than guys, uh, you know, scratching and clawing for, for, for par, I think. Yeah. I'm just not sure there's anything remarkable about last week or this week's course, but, um, it's not it listen i don't know if there's anything remarkable about the utah desert that's not always what it's about <laughs> we're, yeah we're i mean it's just, the course isn't always going to be the story i mean we can yeah. only go to so many iconic courses so many times so i think that 
in those weeks, it's fine to have the the birdies be more of the storyline, the skill be more of the storyline. Um, you know, the courses will have some unique attributes here and there, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the entire thing, which is why it's so great that the like the women are coming to Pebble Beach this week is because the course can help elevate that product. And that's something that is special and doesn't always happen. So uh, it gives us the opportunity to give that the spotlight um, from time to time. I love that. Um, Nate Dog, I'm going to share a few names with you and, and uh, hopefully you have some names. And Kira, if you have anybody um, that you want to, call out here as we kind of forecast who we anticipate you know might might perform well might help uh some of our our par saving pals our, our birdie buddies out there with mm-hmm. a little uh you know help their pockets get a little bit fatter this 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 holiday week um denny mccarthy is from the dmv There's a lot yeah. of connections with denny um and folks that that i know and get to play with so we're always rooting for denny he's always on the tv um at the place that i i play most often 16 to 1 odds obviously with him the putting skill is now now the whole world knows that denny mccarthy has been a guy that leads the tour in putting the only question is whether um his his irons you know show up they they showed up tremendously at the memorial um and you know it, it took uh, a Victor Hovland, you know, birdie on Sunday birdie on 17 by Victor Hovland to to create the situation where Hovland was able to to track D- Denny down. Um, so I, I like I like Denny at a place like this for a potential breakthrough. A guy that everybody is going to be on this week um, is is Adam Schenk, who uh, is is an Indiana native. Um, He's got four top tens this year. Everybody will point to the fact that the last two times he's played the John Deere Classic, he's finished tied for six and tied for fourth. He just finished tied for seventh um, in Detroit. Uh, so um, that's a guy that I think you know you 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 might want to um, take a look at. And twenty sixth in FedEx right now. I mean, yeah, he's having yeah. a great year. Yeah, he's having a great year. Um, and then Eric Cole, who is like you know. He, all he does is play every single event. Um, he he is like you know, he, he's replaced Sung J M as as the as most Sung prolific. J. Yeah, that's, that's I watched. Right. I listen. I watched him for two days in in Hartford. Just he just doesn't make any mistakes, and he's one of the best putters on tour right now. I mean, really, D- Denny is Denny is obviously first, but Cole is not far behind. He's got. Oh. Denny might not be first, but he's he's top five as always. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just think Cole is, and you see him. He's such a he's so diminutive in his stature. But I mean, he's got in his last nine starts, he's got two top tens, a top fifteen, and three top twenty fives. The guy has not necessarily closed since he jumped onto the scene out of the mini tours, but he's at one of these weekends he's going to do it. He's just playing too good golf to not to not be in, in contention, especially in a field like this. I think he also just, I don't remember the exact story, but he went and on a day off, like did a one day, (laughs) very low money event for like $8,000 and won it by a million shots or something. I mean, this is a guy that loves golf, (laughs) loves to compete and you have to have that love out here. Um, But I think that he's like just loving the fact where he is in life and that he has this opportunity that he's been dreaming about forever and ever and ever. And it's just trying to capitalize on it as much as possible. Yeah, that that event, it's at the Pittsburgh Field Club. And, you know, it's a smattering of, of pros like club pro professionals, but also some some guys, you know, of, of elevated stature like Eric Cole, actual PGA Tour professionals who come. It's a super cool event. It's been going on. This family's been hosting it for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, something like that. But uh, he is Eric Cole. You know, we're going to continue to give keep putting some some flowers on his name first in this field in uh birdies or better and first in this field in bogey avoidance so hmm. nikira as uh, you've walked the grounds obviously we've we've um mentioned the birdie point the bogey avoidance aspect um is is also yeah. i think pr- pretty important give us some pointers as we look at the the roster of guys here based on your own experience walking around this joint some pointers in for, terms of like what kind of guys are going to do well. What do you have to do well on this course? Yeah, um, guys, I <laughs> not make bogeys because then you're not going to be able to catch up with the rest of the field that's <laughs> continuing to to clips you. Okay, I mean, bogey avoidance. I, 
Bogey avoidance is huge. I, I think that a bit of experience, like Lucas Glover always plays really well here. Webb Simpson all, always plays really well here. I think a bit of experience is also going to come into play. Um, and I think, you know, it might be straightforward to the naked eye, but then at the end of the day, there's a bit of quirk around this place that, uh, some, a bit of experience can be rewarded by. Well, that makes me scared house because I was going to say Carl Ewan, who seems to be figuring it out after a great year on the corn Ferry tour struggled a bit in the fall, but you know, he was 14th in Detroit shot a 64 on Saturday. He's been hanging around some leaderboards. He's the kind of guy who, you know, if you're looking for momentum play, you could see continuing it into this week. It's only because if he was coming to Riviera, I'd say hit the reset button. This is this is a complicated course that, you know, only only the best guys are going to thrive at. But it does feel like there's some momentum in some of these players building last week that they can carry forward to a course like this where it's going to be birdies are going to be in a premium. Well, that makes me even more comfortable with Ludwig Aberg. I think, you, you know, he he's just a must play, I think, at, at mm-hmm. this point from what Did we're seeing. Did the weekend concern him. you at all? No. He's just. Okay. No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't missed that. He's just figuring this out. He's yeah. Everything Kira just would, said. Okay. I, I'm I'm in. I'm in on that. You're all in. Okay. I am. I, I <laughs> he's clearly got the game. The question is just is he going to jump in? The you know is this a Matthew Wolf Morikawa, uh, Hovland situation where they're all going to win in, in the first year on tour, or is is it going to take him a little while? It it felt it felt uh, on on Friday night like he had a real chance to win this golf tournament for sure. Then he shot seventy three seventy two on the weekend. So it's going to take him a little while to get his sea legs, but it, it sure feels like, I mean, there's chatter about him for the Ryder Cup right now, House. Yeah. I, it's, it, look, you know, it's still kind of a jump ball with the Ryder Cup, and I guess we'll see where, where things land in terms of live guys um, qualifying as well. I, I want to ask a question, and I don't know if you have any insights. Cameron Young is a name that we um, were very bullish on entering this this calendar year, this season, and a lot of folks, based on you know the play of the first portion of the season, as well as um, his performance in majors all of last year, had him especially kind of circled as a guy who could be successful at the PGA Championship up uh, at Oak Hill. And he missed the cut there, and he seems to have been in something of a, of a funk. Do you have any um, sense as to what might be going on with his game? Yeah, you know, I I don't know specifically what he's going through. I think that he um, maybe some growing pains for. I mean, he he just recently switched to Paul Tesori, who's a legendary caddy, um, who would only bring positivity to him. I, I'm I think I think he has been making a few changes to the mechanics behind his swing, um, and maybe just taking a little bit of time for all of that to to bake in. But um, you know. They go through this. I'm not worried about Cameron Young. I think that he's probably got a couple of months of trying to figure something out, trying to test if it's going to work for him. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it like a cause for concern yet. Yeah, I mean, House. It, it was only two months ago that he finished T7 at the Masters and second at the match play. So he, he but he, listen, he's got 50. He's missed a couple cuts, obviously. PGA and, and Memorial. So he, he's working on something. It's just hard to believe he's going to stay down this long. I I just right now, do you think he's a Ryder Cupper or not, House? No. Uh, but if he comes out and wins this week, then I'll say yes. <laughs> that's, that's how quickly I'll change my, my, my tip. Right? That, that whole list has changed. Like every, yeah. you know, Ricky goes from we, we don't know what's happening to all of a sudden, like he's yeah. a lock for the team. I mean, it's just this is changing every five minutes. It, it is. And and really these last couple of weeks, right? Wyndham Clark, you wouldn't have said is a, is a Ryder Cupper. He's absolutely playing the Ryder Cup at this point. Uh, Ricky, like you said, so there's some guys a little bit further down in the Sam Burns, you know, uh, Cam Young, you know, some some at that level who I would have said Tony. were ab- absolutely yeah, Tony. Tony's Tony. been a little cold lately. Who you would have said were were absolute locks who are definitely not right now. It's it's one of the quietly most interesting storylines of these last two months of golf. Well, it's going to be the the storyline now. We can officially really start focusing on on Ryder Cup in the context of um, all the golf we're going to see in Europe coming up. But staring us in the face is the Women's U.S. Open, prime time Pebble Beach. There's really nothing better 
Speaking of nothing better, Kira K. Dixon, thank you so much for coming on <laughs> Fairway Rolling. You, you, it, was, it was an thank overdue you. thing. Oh, we're so so happy to have you. Have a have a great time out there. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You guys are awesome, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, yes, Kira. we promise. All right, my birdie buddies, there we have it. Our enormous thanks to Kira K. Dixon for breaking away from some of her preparation from the Women's U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. The Nate Dog and I wish you strong ROI this week at the John Deere, as well as please have a wonderful 4th of July. Enjoy this great time uh, with friends and family. And if you're able to, why don't you throw a peg in the ground and if and, 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 and try and hit one straight out there? Just do it for, for us, okay? You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. If you are in Arizona, you call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 533 421 888 789 7777 in Connecticut. That's the number. Or you can visit ccpg.org slash chat. Once again, that's in Connecticut. In Indiana, you call 1 800 9 with it. In Kansas, 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Louisiana it's 1-877-770-STOP in Maryland visit mdgamblinghelp.org visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming hope is here visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327- 5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or in New York, you call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.